Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for all of those, Father God, that contributed to the kingdom of God today. Father God, I thank you for everyone, oh God, that contributed to this service today. Bless them. God, continue to let them know that their work and their labor of love, that they're showing toward your name, is not in vain. And Father God, press down and shake together everything they gave today. Father God, be with them, God, in their homes, in their businesses, raising their families. God, whatever they put their hand to, God, you said you would bless it, God, and that you would cause it to overflow in Jesus' name. Honor your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's get ready for the word. Amen. Y'all stand up with me. Amen. I don't plan on preaching to you too long. Amen. I'm just going to give you the second part of this. How many of you know we're talking about I believe? Amen. How many of you have faith in God? Amen. To trust him and everything you And that's what I'm learning as I study this right here. Everything you need solved in your life can be solved with faith. But you've got to understand it. And so last week, I gave you a few pillars of faith, hope, works, patience, and substance. And as you learn that, amen, hopefully through this series, amen, you will get a new attitude when you face things. Because what I'm learning is life is not if you face obstacles and mountains, and, but it's when. And you got to have a knowledge base in your mind of how you're going to deal with things when you face them, Amen. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we come before you today. God, is always an honor. God, is always a privilege. Father God, is always a blessing, God, to do anything in your name. God, even down to giving a glass of water to one of your servants. God, you say, even God, when, God, when a servant of God is served a glass of water, God, that the servant gets the same reward as the prophet. So, God, let us not take anything for granted that we do in the kingdom of God. God, whether it's greeting and welcoming at the door. God, whether it's security. God, praise and worship. Media. Outreach. God, whatever we put our hand to do for you. God, help us to God, take it with reverence. God, to take it as an honor. God, to take it as a privilege. Oh, God, and I believe you today, God. God, I know, oh God, that sometimes the enemy, God, can cause us to look at circumstances. God, and he'll try to minister doubt in our heart and doubt in our mind. God, because without faith, it's impossible to please you. But God, I remember this song my brother Henry Fraser used to sing a long time ago. He said, holding on to my faith and I won't let go. He said, God, I've been talked about, criticized, ostracized. He said, but I'm holding on to my faith. God, he said, you can't block me. God, you can't stop me. God, he said, I won't turn around. He said, he was holding on to his faith. God, and sometimes, God, we just need to learn, God, how to hold on to our faith. God, even God, as Jacob wrestled with that angel. God, when that angel tried to get away from Jacob, Jacob said, I'm not letting you go tell you bless me God and that's how we gotta be God we can't let you go until you let a blessing fall out of your God the Lord Jesus I'm thinking of one lady when she was 
pressing through the crowd. And she said, if I could just get to his hymn, if I could just touch the bottom of his clothes, if I could just put my hands on him, I don't even have to touch his body. If I could just get in the area and just touch something that's connected to him, she said, I shall be made whole. And Lord God, she spent all her money on doctors. She spent everything she had. God in the Bible says she didn't get better, but contrarywise, she only got worse. But when she touched you, Lord, mm. <laughs> Lord, when she touched you, hallelujah, help us to touch you, Lord Jesus. And I bind every spirit to let this word be planted in good ground. Let it be sown, God, in the heart, God, of faith. God, and let it grow up and become a beautiful harvest as you intended to be. You may be seated. Amen. I'm going to give you about five passages. Amen. And I want you to grab them and flow with me through this. Amen. I don't plan on calling you long, but I do plan on giving you what God gave me. Amen. Let's start right here. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you. I realized this as I was studying it. The title of our, our teaching today is titled Immediately. Somebody say immediately. How many of you know it don't take God long? How many of you know it don't take him long? It don't, don't take him all day. All it takes is for you to believe. And just like on last week when God had, had, had and a, a lot of people need to realize that when you cast endeavors out, the scripture's terminology for that particular thing is called a miracle. The Bible says that when devils are cast out, that is a miracle. And a lot of times, and I pray for that young lady, because when God frees you like that, you want to make sure that you don't go back into what you were doing. Because the Bible says that if you return, seven other spirits will come, and the last state will be worse than what you were when you came. Amen. That's Bible. Amen. So we witnessed that miracle last week, and I... And I pray that everyone will understand that when God does things like that, that they know what they're seeing. What's happening when God casts a spirit out of a person, you are literally witnessing an angel that was once living in the heavenly realm, came to the earth realm, and now has found himself living in a human. And Jesus' power comes and casts him out. Why does God allow the Holy Ghost to cast him out? Because just like God cast him out in heaven, so it is in earth. And that's why Jesus prayed. And he said, when you pray, he said, pray that as it is in heaven, devils got cast out of heaven, so it shall be in the earth. That whatever demonic forces are, the believers are supposed to have the power to cast them out. Amen. Somebody say immediately. It don't take all day. Y'all heard that? It don't take all day for God to do what he's trying to do. Let's look at this first one right here in the book of Acts, chapter 9, three verses, verse 33 to 39, 32 to 35. Look at this. <laughs> Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. And there met him a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden 
for eight years. Somebody say eight years. This man had been paralyzed. Do y'all understand what happens to your body when you are in paralysis? Your blood stops. You wither up. The limbs don't function like they're supposed to. And what happens is the muscles around that area, they can suffer what's called attrition because they're not being used. So here is a man for eight long years. He was suffering from paralysis laying in a bed. Eight years. Somebody say eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your sleeping mat. And he was ill. How fast? Immediately. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around. And they turned to the Lord. (laughs) What touched me about this passage is here is a human being that God made that was suffering from some kind of condition for eight long years. And all it took was for this person to have faith in God. And immediately after eight years, this man instantly was healed. Do you know what I found as I've been studying these faith passages? This is what I found. God can come to somebody, and I've been seeing this since I've been in ministry. And the healing power of God can be right there. And God can offer healing. God can offer deliverance, freedom, salvation, whatever. People like the pity that comes from being paralyzed. People like the pity of people. See, when people fall in conditions and bondages, some people get addicted to people saying, how you doing? And feeling sorry for them. Instead of getting made healthy, Taking your life back and go and be productive. Because what you got to realize, God did not design a human to be paralyzed. God did not design a human to be unproductive. God did not design a human to sit with conditions in their life and get addicted to people feeling sorry for them. God didn't design us to be on welfare. I don't want to lose nobody in the congregation. I don't want to lose you. God did not, because listen, God designed you to be productive. And what happens is, because the things in your environment, they can put things in your head and they can cause you to start accepting conditions and not finding the faith to rise above them. Eight years this man sat there paralyzed. And all it took for that man's life to change was one word spoken in the name of Jesus. Eight years. How many people you know, and I think about that, and and what I've seen over the years, some people, they get on different medications, and they accept that as part of their life. I went to the doctor a couple of years back, two years back, and they say, Mr. Miller, your blood pressure, it, it, it rose and it went up. I went to work. I said, okay, let me learn about this condition because when God made Adam, Adam didn't have high blood pressure. I never saw Jesus walking around on the earth with high blood pressure. I say, so let me learn about what this thing is that's attacking me. And then I learned that my father had it, my mother had it. I said, okay, so this is something that's traveling. I say, so the way my family would eat and the things we would be around, that has allowed this thing to keep traveling to me. I got to break it. I got to break it. 
because I know my rights as a born again believer. You can accept things that come your way, or you can say Jesus Christ was hung on a tree and took every curse on for me, so I'm not accepting that. I see too many people accepting things that God has spoken that they don't have to accept. So I went to work. I, came, I got on the stair. See, this is what you got to do. You I used to have this, and I'm, I'm going to share this with you. I used to have this mental challenge. And my mental, my mental challenge was I didn't like to face the bad news. I didn't like to hear somebody died or, or somebody health or, or some, because I didn't know that there was a solution to it. So I tried to go numb to it and live in denial. But this doctor said, get on that scale. You're too big. She said, what are you eating? Too much salt. And I had to sit there and take that bad news in and need not to say, you know what? I'm going to live with this or I'm going to beat it. And I remember I told, I said, I'm not going to be on this all my life. I don't care who was on it in my family. I said, I'm not going to be on this. And the next thing you know, she started setting me up twice a year and I would come. <laughs> and when I would go to the, my, my visits, she would say, man, I wish I had all of my patients like you. You just went to work. You start working out. You start exercising. You start doing this and you start doing that. And the numbers started coming down. That weight started coming down. And then I asked her after a few visits. I said, can I get off? She said, no, not yet. And so here's what happens. <laughs> you start getting comfortable instead of completing the job. So I started getting comfortable. I gained some more weight. I put a little weight back on. I got comfortable. Then I would go back, and my numbers, instead of going down more and more, they started stabilizing, inching up a little bit. And guess what I had to do? I had to look in that mirror and say, okay, you got to get back disciplined. I didn't blame my wife for what she cooked. I didn't blame. I am the one that goes and put the things in my mouth that I, I've educated myself on I shouldn't be doing. So I had to get back on that scale and look at that scale and say, that's disgusting. I'm talking about me. See, some people can accept where they are in life because some people can size themselves up and go to work and start fixing some things. I'm the kind of person that, hey, if you tell me something is wrong, just give me the whole, don't sugarcoat it, don't give me half of it. Tell me the whole scope of what's wrong with me so I can go to work. Just let me go to work. Tell me how bad it is. And Doc said, okay, now you gain it. You don't, you're going the wrong way. I said, okay, I'm going the wrong way. I said, okay. God, see, a lot of times, this is what I'm learning. God can heal you, but you can go back to what you was doing. Because Jesus would heal people, and he would say, go and sin no more. He'd say, lest a worse thing come upon you. See, you can come to Christ, and you can have the faith and get delivered, but it's just like any other thing. You got to follow through and get the mastery of that thing. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. <laughs> because that's why people come to Christ. Christ moved for them. And then what he does for them is squandered away. Don't you know you can squander your miracle? 
You can squander your blessing. Christ can bless you and change your life and you can mismanage it. Complacency is the enemy of success. You can get free from an addiction and let your guards down. And next thing you know, you're back doing what you said that you wasn't going to do no more. You got to guard your life against complacency. Because when you get comfortable, comfortableness breeds vulnerability. And when you get vulnerable, the enemy can seize upon your weakness. I hope I'm helping y'all today. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. Another good passage. Luke chapter 8. Now, how long was this first person in that situation? By the time I finish with this, we can come this man on every excuse. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, y'all just follow me. Do you believe? Luke chapter 8, verse 44. This one blessed me. Luke chapter 8, verse 44. Great, great passage this writer wrote. Look what he said. Verse 44. Well, let's go to verse 43. All right? And a woman having an issue of blood, how long? How long she had that problem? Twelve years. She spent all her money on physicians. Neither could be healed of any. And then she came behind him. And she touched the border of his clothes. And how long it took? Come on, church. How long it took for her to get that 12-year problem solved? How long are we going to sit in these conditions of, 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 of how, how long? How long are you going to sit there and allow Satan to have mastery in your life and he's not supposed to? This woman, the first man was paralyzed eight years. This woman was dealing with that issue for 12 years. And look what this woman said. Now, what I love about this passage I love so much about this passage. If you go up a couple of verses, Jarius had just walked up to Jesus. And he came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my daughter who's 12 years old has a situation. Jesus said, I'm coming to heal her. Jesus was en route to go heal this man's child. He had no idea that this woman had just said within herself, I'm tired of dealing with this issue. He was on his way to go heal Jerry's daughter, the 12-year-old daughter. <laughs> the fate that was in this woman, she was walking through this crowd, thousands of people just pressing up on him, thronging up on him. And when she got to him, now I, I, we all heard this story before. We heard this story before. But there's some things about this story I don't want you to miss. When this woman was pressing through that crowd, how many of you know blood loss makes you physically weak? Now, think about that. <laughs> she's losing blood. She's weak. She done spent money. All of her savings account was spent she went to doctors, specialists. That's like some, you going to Our Lady of Laws and then they say, well, no, you need a specialist in New Orleans. You got a little money saved. <laughs> nah, you get to New Orleans, you need a specialist in Houston. 
You get to Houston. Well, we got to fly you to South Africa. And after all this flight, you steadily watching your money go down, down, down. You come back home, you worse and you broke. Because some situations can't be solved from the earth realm. That's why Jesus let this happen, and that's why he let this be recorded, because he wanted, he wanted to document the fact that she wanted to be whole, but she did everything she thought she knew to do, and God just let her do it. See, sometimes when you're trying to solve your own problems, God is going to let you spin your wheels until you get to the end and you realize there's no solution. You're as humble as you can be, and you only have a little bit of strength left to pray. You can't lean to your own understanding. That was her mind. So this woman weak, y'all, this woman weak, and all of a sudden now she's on her knees and she's crawling. But what I love about this woman, she was determined that some kind of way I'm not going to deal with this the rest of my life. Love that about that woman. She said, I'm not going to deal with this the rest of my life. See, you got to get like that in your own heart and in your own mind. And you got to say, you know what? I don't care how many people in my family suffer from this. I'm not doing it. Faith empowers you. Y'all heard what I'm saying? Faith literally empowers you. It causes you to be able to live like God. It causes you to be able to walk like God will walk. It causes you to be able to walk in this earth realm as if God himself is living in you. That's what faith is. When God comes in your body, you think God want to live in a house that's infested with cancer? How many of you know this is his temple? Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you think God want to live in a house with clogged arteries? You think God want to live in a house that got high blood pressure and a medicine cabinet with 20 different medicines to stay regulated? Do you know? That's why when God, and don't y'all listen, don't say, Pastor, you preach, no, say, listen, I want to live the God type life. That's how I want to live because that's what I'm entitled to. I want 120 over 80. I don't want nothing else. <laughs> because what I realized, they started moving the goalposts and saying, well, if you 140 over under 140 or 90, you good. And I'm like, could they start moving that? And what happens is if you feed into that, it will cause you to get lazy instead of keep working. You know why? They make money on medicine. People, big pharma makes a lot of money on our laziness. It's easy for us to be lazy and just pop some medicine when we can take control of our bodies, fix our bodies. And guess what? You can make money on everybody else, but not somebody that's full of faith. Y'all might say, well, what are you talking about? It shows you right here she went from doctor to doctor, and every one of them took that money. 
See, they're not really worried about. I saw this one. T- Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I'm sitting in there, and they say, well, you're going to take, take this right here. And then she was like, well, and I can also give you, they were like, I can also give you something like this for anxiety to help you stay calm. The salesman side of my brain kicked in. I said, y'all trying to sell me some dope, keep me medicated, and hit my insurance company. I said, I don't have no anxiety. I'm full of the peace of God. I need to learn how to pray, study this Bible, trust God, so this anxiety don't have my blood pressure going up. I told her, I don't need that. You can keep that. The average person would have said, feed me that, feed me that, feed me that so I can stay medicated from life. God did not call me to stay medicated running from reality. But he said, I give you power to tread on all the serpents of the enemy. Think about that, y'all. Every time you go to the doctor, they're going to sell you another one and another one and another one. Do I have any witnesses in here? I go for one thing, they pitch me something else. I said, okay, I see where this is going. I can either start medicating myself or walk out his word telling me to walk. I said, I tell you what I choose. I'm going to choose to walk in this word. I'm going to choose to make better choices. I'm going to choose to be more disciplined. And guess what? The Bible says this. He give it his beloved melatonin to go to sleep. That's a scripture? No, Psalm say he give his sleep to his beloved. Huh? He said the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. If I work hard and trust in God, I should be sleeping good every night. Now, don't y'all get mad at me because you want to be addicted to things to go to sleep. I ain't going to be taking all kind of stuff to go to sleep. When this Bible says that he give it his beloved sleep. Listen, you can choose to live your life the way you want to live your life. You can walk by sight. You can see all them prescriptions and be addicted to them. Or you can walk by faith in the Son of God. You can walk however you want to walk. But listen, here's the scriptures telling me. Twelve long years this woman suffered with that. And as soon as her faith came in contact with Jesus, it was gone. Immediately. Amen? Y'all not mad at me today, y'all. Y'all know I'm preaching the truth, yeah. It might be convicting you a little bit. It might be touching you deep a little bit. Because some of y'all probably thinking about all them pills that you need to wake up and go to sleep. Y'all might be like, he right, though. Y'all, y'all might be mad at me, but y'all got to at least say, but you know what? He is right. Because sometimes, can even kind of enemy try to, like I saw somebody, they asked, can you control your mind? A Christian asked that. And I was like, can you control your mind? Of course you can control your mind. The Bible says, taking into captivity every thought. Every thought that comes to your mind, you got to have enough discipline, mental discipline, to say, where does this thing come from? 
Okay, this don't line up with the word, I'm casting it down. Because then Paul taught the Philippians, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is honest, whatsoever is just, think on these things. Why can't I control my mind when scripture's telling me I can govern what goes on in my mind? It's a fate walk. The devil can talk to you for 10 years until you educate yourself that I have the power to make him shut up. Lord have mercy. I hope I'm helping y'all. Luke 13. Told you I'm not going to preach to you long today. Though I say I don't need all day. I just need faith. I remember when we, I had a little cousin. You can ask Lee, he was with me. <laughs> My little cousin, her name was Evelyn. Me, Lee, and Troy, I was in our way for something. And she had been diagnosed with HIV. Action. Laid up in the bed, lost weight, slim, everything. I don't even know if they told her how long she had to live. I don't even remember that. How long she had? How long? How many years ago was that? She still alive? The doctor told her, you got three weeks to live. Lee and Troy said, L, while you're in town, let's go over here and play, pray for your cousin. We went over there and prayed for her. The next thing you know, we start getting all kind of reports. She's doing just fine. She's healthy. She's moving around. It went from three weeks to 13 years later. She's still moving around, living her life like nothing happened. 13 years later, after the human said, you got three weeks. Humans have limitations. But the God that we serve, he is unlimited on what he can do. All he needs is for people to believe in him. And when you believe in him, it doesn't matter. I believe God can go on your charts. He can, you can go on the doctor Thursday, and that chart can say everything that you feel in every symptom you got. You can get some faith and get healed. And when you go back, not only will God heal you, but he'll clean them charts. And them doctors are going to say, well, I know what I saw. I know what I saw. <laughs> Sean, how long ago that happened with my dad? How long ago that was? This year? January. He had been working all his life. And they said... Cancer there. It's a wrap. What kind, he, what kind they told him? The worst, aggressive kind. We started going down there, traveling every weekend, praying with him. I remember when I got the news, I was at work. <laughs> the first thing that hit me was emotions. Because I'm like, man, I know what pancreatic, I know what that is. I know that's very aggressive. And I know what that can do. So immediately I start, I said, Man, that's my father. And I started just, it's like immediately I started going back through my childhood, just thinking about him, times we had all of that. And then all of a sudden, God's spirit kicked in and like, go pray for him. See, when you first get bad news, that human side of you is going to react. But then that spiritual side going to kick in and God going to say, trust in me. I have the final say. Believe in me. He back working on we all the way about to go in December. He back working, went, getting him another job, moving around, gaining his weight back. 
God, it don't matter what the doctor say. It's about what God say. Because God is the one that killed and make alive. God did not say it was time for my father to go. You can accept things or you can trust God. This woman, 12 years. Now look at what happened. We're in Luke 13. Eight years, okay. Now look, what's, let's, we went eight years. Now we're going to 12 years. Now look at this one right here, Luke 13, 11. <laughs> wow. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. How long? Y'all not there with me? 18. We're in Luke 13, 11 through 13. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. How long? 18 years. And she was bowed together, and she could in no wise lift herself up. I love that passage because it's showing you there was nothing this woman could do to lift herself up. See, sometimes God will allow you to be in predicaments to where you can't even pick your own self up. You can't pick your own self up. But now we went from eight years of paralysis to 12 years of an issue of blood. And now we've got 18 years with a woman bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. Now look what Jesus told that woman. He said, and Jesus saw her and he called her to him and she said unto him, unto her, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. How long it took? And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Man, God want to do some things. He said, after 18 years, immediately Jesus called that woman to himself. And he said, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And the Bible said he laid his hands on her. And immediately that thing that was holding her for 18 years broke off of her. Man, that's powerful. That's absolutely amazing. So we've got eight years, <laughs> 12 years, 18 years. Now let's go over here to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Eight years, 12 years, 18 years. And each situation was different. And this there, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He said, now that was at Jerusalem by the sheep market of pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. He said, in there lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind folks, halt folks, withered folks, waiting for the moving of the water. They say, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. He said, and a certain man was there. He had an infirmity. How long? 38 years. Wow. We went from 8 years, 12 years, 
18 years. Because now I went up to 38 years. If you're 38 or below, raise your hand. 38 and below. 38 and below. 38 and below. 38 and below. No. Birth certificate. How do I prove? 38 and below. Now, hold your hand up. I want y'all to think about this. Think about all of the memories you got. Your childhood, elementary school, middle school, grade school, college. Some of you working out with families, your kids, 7 and 10 and 13. Think about that. This man was in that predicament longer than you've been alive. This man was like this longer than you've been alive. And this is what I learned, the psychology of sickness. See, whenever a human being has an illness or a condition that lasts for a long time, mentally your thought process starts to change and you'll get open to depression, oppression, because you feel like there's no solution to what you're dealing with. So that's why Jesus, did, look at what Jesus told him. He asked the man, he said, do you want to be whole? The first thing that this man said was, I don't have anybody to help me. How many Christians you know like that in that predicament? How many Christians you know like that? That's around the power of God, around the glory of God. And when you talk to them, their energy always bad. They're always depressed. They're always going through. They're never excited about Jesus. Never, how many Christians, Christians you know like that? Because people like to have people feeling sorry for them. Some people like that. Because some people base their walk with God on you calling them. I think I struck a nerve right there. <laughs> you told her? That's good. <laughs> because God wants you to get connected to him. Think about that for a minute. How many times... You allow for yourself to be like this guy sitting by this pool and all of a sudden the life is steadily being sucked out of you because you're worrying about who's calling you. You got to realize that by faith, you can change whatever you're dealing with. Y'all got to get that. By faith, you can change whatever you're dealing with. This man right here for 38 years was sitting by this pool and look, you know how many times this man saw this angel stir this water? The Bible say the angel would come at certain seasons. He probably missed 10, 12, 15, 20 moves of God because he was waiting on somebody to bring him to church. But she was waiting on somebody to see how she does. But the angel steadily putting the glory right in his face, and he don't have enough drive within himself to just jump on in and get what he needs. You would think after all these years, if you really, 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 really wanted to get free, some kind of way you would start trying to time it. That's how I know he, that's why Jesus asked him, do you want to stop being like this? Think about it. I know I'm the kind of person, this is how my mind would have been. Okay. So last year in April, that water just started swirling. 
But then this time, they started swirling. They right here. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to just start crawling, rolling, just kind of by. And as soon as I see the swirl, I'm going to just fall in. Some kind of way I'm getting in that swirl. Some kind of way I'm going to figure out how to time this thing just right because I'm the kind of person, I know me, I'm a self-starter. I've been like that all of my life. I'm not the kind of person that's going to wait around for somebody to motivate me. I'm not built like that. I remember one time I was sitting in this meeting. And I'm in sales. And and when you're in sales, you've got a lot of meetings sometimes to motivate you, you know, to get you going. And I'm calling him, and my, my general sales manager, he calls this meeting. And, and we used to have too many of them. I, I was like, so we go in there, and he's looking, and he's like, why, why, why you don't seem happy about coming to my meeting? I'm like, listen, man, with all due respect, I got married a few years back. I got a daughter, and I got a son. If I need you to motivate me to take care of what I signed up for, I'm a sorry man. I don't, I don't need you to motivate me for what I signed up for. I signed up to take care of this woman and these two kids. Do you mean to tell me I need you to come pump me up to get what I need, to take care of what I took on as an obligation? And he just looked, and I'm like, I don't have a problem with this, but I'm just letting you know. I was motivated before I got here. I was ready to go before I got to work. Because this is what happens. And see, and and this is what, I thank God for that, Pat. Because this is what happens. This is how life works. Whenever you got obligations, you're going to have the same problems as every other human. The Bible says, no temptation taking you but such as is common to every man. Everybody is going to have the same obstacles, the same problems, the same hood, the same things to overcome. Everybody is going to have their own set of handicaps that they deal with every day. The difference is, what is your mindset? Are you going to allow these handicaps to give you an excuse to be lazy and unproductive? Or are you going to take these things and say, you know what, I'm going to overcome my challenges? They even have things now for paraplegics, Olympics. These people don't even have the use of certain limbs. And these people say, well, let me find a sport that allows me to function with my body the way it is today. The human mind is a powerful thing to where if you keep it positive and full of faith, it won't accept excuses. I'm telling you, your mind, if you allow it to be unlocked, but this is how your mind works. The moment you start focusing on the negative, it shuts down. But the moment you allow your mind to say, how can I, how can I, you have something on the inside of you called an imagination, and it will feed you. That's why Paul talked about, and see, listen, I'm about to help y'all. I'm about to show y'all these are the kind of things that can help you get to them next levels in life. See, this is, this is how the mind, this is, 
The mind is a multifaceted thing, okay? And the way it works is like this. When you start to say, how can I do something, there's a side of your brain that's going to open up and start thinking and turning and traveling all on its own. But if you're going through life and all you're focusing on is what's bad around you, what's negative around you, what's not, your brain is literally going to shut down and then this negative spirit is going to consume you and you're going to walk around with bad energy. But you've got to unlock that part of your mind that no matter what you face, no matter what you're dealing with, your mind is going to tell you there's got to be a way to solve this problem. Your mind is a powerful thing. Look at what this woman said. (laughs) This woman could have said this. She could have said these words right here. This is what she could have said. I've been all over the place. I spent every dime I had. Nothing worked for me. She could have accepted that. She could have said, I've been like this for 12 years. Maybe this is my reality. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing on disability. Oh, my God. But that woman said, that's not going to be my story. She said, I got a life to live. But that woman didn't want to get healed just so she could. No, that woman had things she wanted to do, places she wanted to go, people she wanted to see. And when she looked at her obstacle, she said, I can't do the things I want to do until I get this issue out of my life. You got so many more people to meet, things to do, places to go. Because that thing that's blocking you, you got to get it solved so you can get on with the rest of your life. But listen, where there's no vision, you're going to perish. What that's telling you, if you can't see beyond what you're dealing with, you're going to perish right there. You've got to see yourself shaking hands with people greater than you. You've got to see it before you get there. Oh, my God. Whew. Jesus asked the man in verse 6. He said, Jesus saw him laying there, and he knew he had been there a long time. In that case. Ooh. See, Jesus said he knew he had been a long time in that case. What he meant by that? Why did the Bible call it a case? Don't you know you a case? Do you know what a case is? A case is like when you go to court and they set aside a time at 10 o'clock to deal with your particular case. That's what he was talking about. This man had a particular case that heaven had recorded. God had already set up the time for it to be fixed. He kept missing his court date. He kept missing it. The angel would come, boom, stir it up. He missed it. Angel would come, (laughs) stir it up. He missed it. Angel would come, stir it up. He missed it. He kept missing it, kept missing. But this is what I love about God so much. Because what this story is telling me, he didn't have to be in that situation for 38 years. That could have been solved years earlier. 
What caused him to stay like that? He wanted to be like that. Some people, they choose to be like that. I'm telling you, some people, they choose to live below what God has spoken for them to have because of the pity that it gives them. Who want to live like that? Who, who want to live always feeling sorry for yourself? Who want to live a life defeated like that? Who want to live like that? Could Jesus say, look here, man. I sent the angel 12 years ago. You didn't jump in. I sent the angel six years ago. You didn't jump in. I sent him last year. You didn't jump in. What you want to do? You, you want to you wanna, you wanna get fixed or not? You want me to fix you or you want to stay like that? He said, well, Lord, I don't have nobody to throw me in. Every time I get ready to jump in, that's a lie. That's a lie. Some people will lie to you to get you off of their trail. And you trying to help them. Y'all ever dealt with that before? You can't get discouraged, though. Because sometimes when people get in cases so long, they don't know how to get out. And sometimes that thing got the best of them. And sometimes because their mind is, is working overtime on them. And they want to get free, but they've been in that thing for so long that they don't even know how to ask you to help them. The impotent man says, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I'm coming another step down before me, Jesus said, all right, let me, let me tell you how we're going to do this. Let, let, me, let me tell you how we're going to do this. Let me tell you how we're going to do this. Here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to break your dependence on people helping you. Jesus didn't tell him, go get Monique and tell Monique to put you in the water. He didn't say, go get Lee and tell Lee to put you in the water. He said, you rise. He said, until you make up in your mind that you're ready to rise above what you're dealing with, you're going to stay like that. You're going to stay like that. Because you have to make up in your mind that you're ready to rise above your challenges. He said, rise, pick up your bed, and walk. I had to look in that, on that scale. That was my weight. That wasn't Shannon's weight. That was my weight over my BMI. But that wasn't her. That was my weight. I couldn't wait for her to say, I just signed you up for the gym. Start working out. I had to say, no, that's my weight. That's my blood pressure. I'm the one that made my body look like this, so I'm the one need to change it. That's what hurts a lot of people. Your dependence on other humans it's going to cripple you until you realize you got to learn how to take accountability for your own self. Y'all heard what I just said? Too many times we so dependent on people instead of rising up and becoming what God has called us to be. Jesus said, you get up, you pick up your bed, 
and walk. And look what the Bible says, how long it took. And immediately the man was made whole. What I love about this scripture, let me tell you what I love about this scripture. So, 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 it's so touching to me. It's literally so touching to me. Because the Bible says he was made whole immediately. He picked up his bed and he started walking. Listen, y'all, just start walking. <laughs> just start walking. You know what? You know, it had to be scary for this man to come out of 38 years of not being able to walk to what God was giving him a whole new life. He was picking him up off of his bed, and now he was starting to walk into a life he didn't even know existed. He didn't even know his life can look like that. He didn't even know that. But he had to, by faith, say, you know what? God has changed me. God has freed me. God has healed me. And I'm going to just start walking this thing out. Jesus told that man, just start walking. And when that man started walking, he picked his bed up. Golly, that story is literally so touching. Because what, as you read reading through all of these stories, as you're reading through all of these stories, eight years in infirmity, 12 years in infirmity, 18 years, 38 years, immediately when these people got faith. So what is God telling you by making me highlight to you these different year amounts? He's literally dismantling every excuse you have when you say, well, I've been like this so long I can't change. Every excuse you can come up with, because and, 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 sometimes we'll say, well, I've been like this so long, this is just who I am. Somebody say lies. <laughs> you can change if you want to change. You can become better if you want to become better. But you can't fall in love with being in an inferior condition. You can't fall in love with being in sin. Sin is the great neutralizer. Listen, sin strips you of your God-given identity. It strips you. And the thing about sin that makes it so bad is it can eat away at your life, can open up doors to so many other things. Number one, you don't even understand how damaging it is what you're engaging in. And not only that, you don't even understand what you're passing on. This is what, this is what happens. This is, what, this is what's so uh, alarming about sin. This is what's so alarming about it. It, it appeals to you as just a pleasure. It appeals to you as just something to try. But what it does is, when you start letting it become a part of you, it brings you into a whole nother governing system that allows the things of the enemy the right to park in your life. And your children. And your grandchildren. Wow. Look at this last one I'm going to go to. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. Let me go to this last passage right here. The last one. 
John chapter 1. Let me just show you this last passage right here. I think it's in John chapter 1. Uh, that's not where it's at. I think I just wrote the wrong. Hold on, y'all. Let me just show you this right here. Okay, the chapter 9 is where I'm at. John 9, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want. Look at this. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from, from where? So we just went from 8 years, 12 years, 18 years, 38 years, to now we're dealing with a grown man that was blind from the day he was born. You, what is God telling you, church? I don't care if you've been dealing with it for 8 years, 12 years, 18 years, 38 years. It happened when I was a child. He said, I have sent my son into this world. I don't care when it started. It ends when you meet me. I'm not taking no excuses for you to walk around with this condition because you feel like it started so long ago. The man was born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, they say, Master, this was a very good question. Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Before I give you the rest of the story, that question was literally a very good question because they understood that the sins that our family engage in can cause setback for us. They understood that. So they say, I see this man was born blind. He never saw the sunrise. Is it his fault or was it his parents' fault? That's why you, as a parent, you got to be very careful about what you're getting involved in and who you're bringing your kids around because everything opens doors to other things. I love how Shannon raised our kids. She would say they can't go spend the night everywhere. And people say, well, why are you acting funny with your kids? I'm not acting funny with my kids. Here's the problem. Some of the worst thing your kids going to learn is from the people you trust. The people in your family, when you send your child to your brother's house, your brother may go outside, cut his grass, play his little game, whatever he's doing, while his little kids introducing your kids to some things that you're not teaching. And you say, oh, they just said my, my brother's house. Or oh, they just said my uncle's house. Or oh, they just said... So-and-so, they're in a safe place. Some of the most harmful things happen to our children in family's care. So you're not being acting funny with your children. You're protecting your children. And your job as a parent is to do everything in your power to shield them from this wicked world. Even if it means some of you, you know you got people in your family that ain't no good. Don't let them pressure you. Well, I haven't seen them in so long. You're still not going to see them. <laughs> you're, still, you're still not going to see them. Until they're old enough to know that what you're introducing them to is wrong, you're not going to see them. 
Because listen, y'all, this is how life works. Life is about a big part of life. Now I'm about to share something with y'all. This is kind of different. Life is a, a big part of life is learning how to manage risk. Y'all caught that? Risk management is a huge part of life. The reason you educate yourself and the reason you learn different things and go to seminars is because you're trying to, the more you learn, the more you up your odds of being successful. The less you educate yourself and the less you learn and the less time you spend disciplining your life, you are opening up the percentages that you're going to fail. When you start educating yourself on better ways to eat, you up the percentages that you can be in good health. It's risk management. Whenever you come, listen to me. Listen to me. Somebody say risk management. Listen to me. I'm in an industry like this. You know they got scores. 450, 500, talking about credit score, 600, 650, 700, 750, 800. The higher your credit score, the lower the risk for the bank, so the lower the rate is. Right? But the worse your score is, the less they think you're going to pay them, so they raise the rate because they, what they're saying is, I've got to try to get as much as I can because if something happens, they're not going to pay me. So I got to try to get it as much as I can up front. They minimize the risk. And that's how life works. You got to educate yourself. You got to learn what can I do to set myself up to give myself the highest chance to be successful. Successful. You got to study God's word because the more you learn about God's word, the more you improve your odds. The more you improve, the more, the more tools you're giving yourself, the more ammunition you're getting, the more bullets you get. Because that's why the enemy don't want you studying God's word because he raises the chance that he can overthrow you because you're not educating yourself. But the more you educating yourself in scripture, the more you fortify your Christian life. Amen? The more you raise in your percentages that you're going to succeed in this thing. Y'all, that's how this thing works. The more you do, the more you study, the more you fast, the more you pray, the more you're giving your chance the opportunity to succeed. That's why he fights you so hard. That's why he told that man this. Look what he said. He said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day, because the night coming when no man can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and he made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went there for him, and he washed, and he was seen. Y'all, it don't take God long. <laughs> Listen, if you a believer, and you got something in your life that you're dealing with, whether it's a sin, whether it's a bond, 
whether it's an addiction, mind battles, whatever the case may be, no matter where it came from and how long it's been there, if you can find enough faith in God, God can fix it like that. God can fix it like that. And you know, I've got a unique seat. I've got a unique seat from sitting in a pastor's chair. What you see a lot of time from the pastor's chair, this is what you see a lot of time. You see things tripping people up that shouldn't be tripping them up. You see people dealing with situations a lot longer than they have to. People look at the pastor and they say, okay, well, I see pastor, and he seemed like he always strong, he always... Let me tell you the difference in pastor and a lot of people. Pastor has simply learned spiritual discipline. You know how many times I get on my face to pray with my flesh telling me go do something else? You know how many times I got to open my Bible and start studying it when I feel like I could be doing something else? How many of you fast every time you feel like fasting? If you fasted when you felt like it, you would probably never fast because the flesh never want to fast. <laughs> but here's the difference. The people that do the thing spiritually that they don't feel like doing, that's the people that stay strong. That's why when Jesus called people out of the world, he said, my disciples. A disciple simply means one that's come and learn how to be disciplined. You got to learn discipline or you will never be spiritually strong. Discipline is what you do when you don't feel like doing it. You got to learn how to discipline your life. You got to learn how to do the things you don't feel like doing. Because look what Paul told the church. He said, oh, Galatians. The flesh and the spirit are contrary. The flesh want to go shout all the time. The spirit want to pray. The flesh, it, there's nothing wrong with doing some of these earthly things. But what I found the Christian church, the American Christian church is, she don't know how to balance her life. The American Christian church has not mastered the art of balance. She's mastered the art of asking God for blessings. She's mastered the art of paying her tithes, paying her offering, doing business, getting married, building a family. But she has not mastered the art of balance. Balance is what you're going to need if you want to be a successful Christian. There's things that you want to do that's not sinful. Listen, a lot of you, God has delivered you from fornicating. He's delivered you from drinking and smoking. He's delivered you from that. But this secret sin right here that's hard to keep the mastery over, listen, is idolatry. Idolatry is not you just walking up to a statue and bowing to it. Idolatry in the new covenant is a value system. It's about what are you making time to keep a part of your life? Listen, I heard somebody say this. If it's important to you, you're going to make time for it. You're going to make time. If you want to pray, you're going to make time to pray. If, if, if you love studying scripture, you're going to make time to study scripture. 
If you love God, you will make time for the things of God. It's literally not bothersome for me to go in here and grab this Bible and study things that I need for my life. That ain't hard because I need that. Why is it such a battle for the American church to learn how to discipline her life and be a balanced Christian? If you can't find a balance in your life, you will never succeed as a Christian. You, listen, even if you got to get a calendar, if you got to set reminders in your phone, I don't care what you have to do, you got to find a way to balance your life. Well, Pastor, I got a lot going on. Y'all, listen, your pastor literally worked seven days a week. Seven. Seven. I'm not going to use the excuse, well, I run a car dealership. Or I pastor a church. I don't have time to spend with God. No, if I don't spend time with God, all of the discipline I've acquired over the years to keep my flesh in subjection is out the window. I can't let the things that God blessed me with take me away from God. He told this to the children of Israel. He told them these words. <laughs> Look what he told them. He said, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you. My sermon over. Y'all stand up. This is how we're going to end. <laughs> he said, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you out of the house of bondage. Look what he told him. He said, when I bring you out of Egypt and after we get past this wilderness season of your life, this is what your life is going to look like. I'm going to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. He said, I'm literally going to change your life from being a slave to you going to own banks and businesses. You're going to build your own economy. You're going to be a king. He said, but here's my prerequisite. Don't forget the God that brought you out of Egypt. <laughs> How many times God bless us and we forget him? He brings us out of poverty. He brings us out of alcoholism. He brings us out of crack. He brings us out of heroin. He brings us out of all of these things. He starts to bless us. And then we just put him on the back burner. We spend time with him when we get time. What if your husband or your wife spent time with you only when they had time? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about that. <laughs> I want you to think about it. Because I know how I am. I'm going to just tell y'all right now the kind of husband I am. Shannon, look. Brianna called you. You ran over there. Eli needed you. Ran over there. Your job called you. <laughs> you ran over there. When I call, I don't want to hear, I'm tired. I, I've been working. I, no. Everybody else get time when I want to spend time with you. I don't want to hear all that. How you going to tell me you make time for everybody else, but you committed to me. You look me in my eye and say you love me so very much and you don't have time for me. Oh, we ain't doing that. Oh, no, we ain't doing that. And that's how God is. How you going to come to my altar, commit your life to me, and then you only feel like being with me when you feel like being with me? The Lord said, oh, no, we ain't doing that. How many of you would stand in a relationship like that? And let me teach you something, church. You can feel the energy of your partner. I'm going to tell y'all a story that make we, me and my family laugh about. 
Shannon, if you're watching, bless your heart. I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> One day, we had our little family dinner. And how we worked, the different peoples decided to cook. But this time, Shannon, and she was going to cook us some potatoes. And she was tired. And she said, y'all, look, this is going to make you laugh a little bit. She was, she was going to make my potato. Brown will probably watch it laughing right now. And when she was making my potato, when I looked at her, she was doing like this just real fast, just trying to hurry up and get it over. I said, I don't want that. I said, ain't no love in that. I ain't eating that. I said, you ain't about to, I done worked all these hours, and you just going to just go. I said, I'm not a burden to you. You're supposed to love me since when I become a burden. Look, the America was like, oh, he helping me. <laughs> Because this is my, this is how I told her. I say, listen. I say, this is how this going to work. I say, cook when you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, don't cook. I can buy me some food. But there's a lot of people around Lafayette that make a living cooking. If you don't want to cook it when it's, and make it good, like them people at that restaurant, I don't want that. That way we kill. You don't eat my food. No, I don't eat bad food. Because you're a good cook. But if you don't, but the point I'm making is when you don't feel like doing something, the quality not going to be there. And that's, we can't give our God that type of service. We can't give our God the type of service that we don't accept. God told him, he said, look, Go give that to your governor. Go give that to your king. See if they're going to accept it. He said, am I not a great king? He said, why are you going to throw me any type of service and then you want me to take it and you can't even bring that to your king? Think about what I'm saying, church. When you doing things for God or your spouse, people you love, do it in an excellent spirit. I feel like I'm helping some relationships in here today. I'm helping you. See, that's my girl right there. That's what I'm, Josh, you're going to get some good meals this week. Boy. <laughs> huh? That happened in every household. But think about it. Now, let me help the wife. This is what I told my woman. I said, listen, you work just like I work. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like it. It's okay. We're not arguing about that. All I need you to do is shoot me a text. I didn't feel like clicking today. Grab something. Done. We ain't going to be arguing about that. Why am I going to argue? I can't make a modern woman an old-time woman. My mama stayed home and she didn't work, so she can give me five days a week cooking. I got to now my woman going to work for five days. I can't put the requirements on my wife that my dad had on my mama. So we communicate through that. We had a household of eight growing up. Now we got two and they grown. That's a different thing. So you got to adjust your thinking as society changes and evolves. You got to evolve your thinking for the sake of peace. And listen, don't compare your marriage to other people's marriage. Everybody's marriage is going to be different. What worked for one household not going to work for yours. 
But this things y'all kind of have discussions about. That's your marriage. That's for you and your spouse to sit down and decide how y'all want your house to look. That's not for me to go tell you how to be. That's for you and your wife or you and your husband to say, hey, this is our dynamics. I'm giving y'all some marital wisdom. Y'all take this. This is how our life is. What's best for our life? Everything that's good for one is not good for the other. Praise God. Oh, I hope I'm helping somebody today. I'll never forget that, y'all. <laughs> Shannon was hitting that potato so hard. I said, oh, no, I ain't eating that. I said, not me. <laughs> I said, I done spit, I done went and go face these demons all day. <laughs> I done been there. I said, oh, no, I get in my car and drive right around that corner and get me something to eat. What you mean? I said, I don't feel no love in that potato. Y'all don't go pick it on my wife. But whenever she feel like it, do what you got to do. Because I want you to learn how to, this is how you, relationships, you've got to have flexibility. You got to be able to compromise. You can't be so bullheaded. You can't be so headstrong. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You can't be the kind of person where it's my way or no way. No, you got to talk through things. You got to reason through things. And let me help you with one more, uh, another thing. Y'all going to stop going to bed mad at each other too. I think I need to take a minute right there. <laughs> don't y'all know the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your rat? We don't play that going sleep in another room thing. We're going to sit down like some adults, not no girlfriend and boyfriend, teenagers in high school. We're going to sit down like some adults, and we're going to work through this conversation. And whoever's wrong, apologize. What if God take you while you're sleeping? What if you don't wake up? How are we Christians walking through our house with a two-week grudge? How you a Christian with a two-week grudge in your house? And you don't be blocking your spouse? Because listen, let me teach y'all something. Now I'm about to help y'all. This is when the devil gets busy. <laughs> when you play and block your spouse or don't want to talk to your spouse, guess what he doing? He's looking for an opportunity to send somebody that will talk to your spouse. Now, I'm trying to talk to y'all in a mature way because a lot of people, they think is you, you, you got a devil out there. And whenever you not <laughs> taking care of what's at home, he is literally going to try to find a way to put a wedge in between y'all. People don't want to hear that, Lee. <laughs> people don't want to hear that right now. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. Get away from me. You can only do that for so long. Because eventually the devil is going to present an alternative. Y'all say, well, pastor, why you say that? Because the Bible say that. The Bible teaches us that. 
It teaches us that when we are relationship, to say render due benevolence one to another. Communion, make sure you keeping one another happy. Don't listen. You, that's your husband. That's your wife. preaching a I Believe series, and I'm up here talking about relationships. <laughs> I'm supposed to be preaching on faith. I'm going to move in a hold and turn left. <laughs> but by faith, you can fix those relationships. Amen? And guess what? Don't look at where you are right now if you're single and think that God won't ever bless you again. Listen, what I've learned about single people, this is what I've learned. Number one, you're in a good space. You're in advantage. You can attend upon the Lord without distraction. But not everybody single want to stay single. <laughs> you're not full of lust because you want to be married. And don't listen to somebody tell you, well, you need to be single like this. And they got a husband, they got a wife. Why are you telling me to stay single? You got somebody. But stay disciplined. Stay disciplined. Don't let your moments of weakness cause you to open the door to the wrong thing. Because a lot of times being single is beautiful because God can fix you. God can heal you. God can make you ready. But don't let nobody make you feel bad because you don't want to be single your whole life. Why y'all quiet on me? I got married at 21 because I knew that's what I wanted to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to let God bless you with the right person at the right time. Amen. And if you've been through a divorce, listen to me. Don't, don't let that make you feel like your next marriage is going to fail. You in God now. You in God now. This is what you do. This is what you do. Look back over what you think went wrong. Not what they did. Look back on how you feel you contributed to it not working. Write that down. Fix that. Fix that. <laughs> Fix that. Say, so you know what? The next time God bless me, I won't do this, 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 and that. Because what you don't realize, you're older, but you're more experienced. You're better. You're not the same young person that maybe made a bad decision. You're more experienced now. You know what you want. You're more seasoned in life. And now you should want somebody to come in your life. See, the more you, the older you get, you start going beyond just making decisions based on the flesh. You should. Because what you learn is, the older you get, the things that mattered when you were young, they don't matter no more. Now you want to make sure you've got a mortgage paid. You want to make, you know, you start being more concerned about your responsibilities than trying to fit in with them little high school mindset. And you know what's sad? Some people never grow past high school. People be 30 years old still thinking like high school kids. 35 years old still thinking like high school as you start growing up and aging, I feel like a parent up here. I feel like a parent. <laughs> I feel like a parent. Y'all, I feel like a parent. I'm getting old. I got a whole girl. 
party before I feel like a, but I've been married 22, 23 years to that woman. 23 years. Look, look, she was watching. How you was doing my potato? <laughs> I told her, the Bree still tell that story when we get together. She say, Mommy, you remember that potato? <laughs> but I understand that, y'all. And I thank God for where we at in our marriage. Because I can honestly say that woman right there, that's my best friend in the whole world. We talk about everything. And that's what I mean when you, see, because when you pick the wrong person, it can set you back. I'm telling you, it can set you back a long time. So choose wisely, choose carefully. But marrying the right person can be such a great blessing in your life. Amen. And what I learned too, I know y'all can say amen. You got to learn how to be patient with, with each other. You can't argue every time something goes wrong. You can't argue over the smallest of things. What you got to learn how to do, you got to learn when to have the conversation. Timing is everything. Because you might have the right thing to say, but he may not be in the mood. You may not be in the mood. Don't force the conversation. Because what happens is you get it all out, but you don't get results because you had the conversation at the wrong time. Marriage is discipline. There's a lot of discipline going marriage. Amen? All right, all right. That was my love. I just moved as God led. Amen. I hope y'all got something out of the word today. Amen. I hope y'all got something out of the word today. We're going to pray. That's what I feel. We're going to. How you doing, young lady? You feeling all right? You feel great, huh? I was talking about you earlier, and then you come on in here. Didn't God do some great things for you last week? Some wonderful things. We're going to let you tell your story, too. We're going to get you on schedule. Amen. I was so happy to see you coming here today because that shows me that you're ready to walk in what God is doing. You've been reading your Bible on that's what I'm talking about. You're putting some good things in your mind. You're going to get there. you got people around you that's going to help you too. Praise God. Amen. Y'all give her a hand clap. She's walking this thing out. Amen. So we're going to get ready to go. That's how I feel led today. That's okay with y'all? That's how I feel led today. We're going to go on and read our number six. Let me just give y'all an update on our building, too. This is good. I tell y'all, this is good. So y'all remember they got that property on the side, right? So what happened, this is the delay, but it's a good delay. The delay is we were literally, I got the permits, we were literally getting ready to start building. But under those plans, we were going to only be able to use half of the building right? Because we didn't have that other piece of property for the parking that we need. But by us being patient and going through this process, now that property is opening up to us, we're going to be able to use that for parking and get the whole building. Ain't God good? So now we won't have to have half of it. 
And if a lot of people know me, y'all know I like to, I like to go. But for some reason, God just slowed this thing down. Because what happened is, as soon as we signed that lease, this guy puts up right there. And in my mind, I was like, that ain't nothing but the truth. I said, now this property been vacant for all of these years. And now how all of a sudden, as soon as we signed for right here, somebody puts up right there. But God started reminding me, he said, just like the children of Israel were traveling through the wilderness, there were some things I had to deliver into their hands and there were some residents in the land that I had to drive out. And God said, I had to drive some things out to make room for y'all to come in. Ain't he good? So y'all be patient, and let's look at this from the long game. And we're going to allow God to do it the way he's doing it. All right, so let me read number six, and we're going to get ready to go. to give God a hand clap as I find our last place to go. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go over here to Numbers chapter 6. And we're going to be dismissed. Thank all of you, amen, that tuned in online with us today. We really feel like you're a part of what we're doing and we try to make sure that we keep the quality of what we're doing with you guys in mind. Amen. So let's, let's finish this up. This is our benediction for today. It says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.